Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it fast for us, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. We're glad that you're here. Welcome. And uh, been behind a couple weeks. We've had camp and uh, life and busy in this uh, fun political thing that I'm doing. We'll talk about some more sometime. But I wanted to be able to come and uh, get this episode out and very, very, very important, and we all know the abortion uh, issue, and uh, some of this, of course, you'll already know. I believe there'll be some things that uh, we may be able to help with, and things that are important for us to know as Christians and pastors um, to be able to help others with. So I'm going to jump right in. Thursday, January 22nd, 1973, the United States Supreme Court legalized abortion in the infamous Roe versus Wade decision. As Christians, we need to remember that what is legal is not necessarily moral in God's sight. Of course, many abortion advocates argue that it's not a human baby they're killing, but science is against them. Before conception, there is not a new human life. But the moment of conception, there's a new life. Possessing 46 chromosomes distinct both from the mother and the father, genetically the baby is not the mother's body. At 21 days, the first heartbeat has begun. 45 days of brain waves can be detected. By the ninth and 10th week, the thyroid and adrenal glands are functioning. By 12 and 13 weeks, they have fingernails, sucks their thumb, recoils from pain, has his own unique fingerprints. The only things that are developing life needs to become what they are are time and nurture. That's it. So what was Roe versus Wade about? A vote of seven to two. I don't know how bad that Supreme Court was. A vote of seven to two, the Supreme Court held that a child in the womb um, in, is um, held by a vote that uh, until a child in the womb is viable, meaning sustaining life outside the womb, um, then the mother's desire for an abortion should take precedent over the baby's right to life. Okay? Um, hard to imagine that they did that. 
all those years ago from 1973. Um, and so how many, how many babies? No one knows exactly. Um, there's two different uh, charts to look at. One is the uh, CDC, the Center for Disease Control, but they rely on voluntary results from uh, reports from state health offices. You have, you have the Guttmacher Institute. They contact abortion clinics directly for data, um, but um, then they still miss some. But uh, right now with those numbers, there's about 67 million. 67 million. About half of the abortions are chemical abortions now, and many of those are not counted also. So how did that happen? How, how, did, how did 67 million, think about that, 67 million babies killed and murdered? How? How did it happen? They used the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendment. Oh, this is very interesting. What is the Fifth Amendment? Okay, I'm going to read the parts of it that um, matter. You know the Fifth Amendment, right, to not... Um, incriminate yourself, but the part that here is mattered says no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Okay, read that again. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And that was used to support abortion. And you go, now wait, how? Because when I just read that, what, what just stands out in your mind? No person shall be deprived of life. Without due process of law. Well, what does abortion do? It denies a person of life without the due process of law. Uh, many states uh, have the death penalty. You can take someone's life, but you have to have due process before that. The baby didn't get due process. They just killed it. But they used that amendment to be able to make abortion legal? Uh, oh, well, the 14th Amendment. That probably has it in there. Okay, here's the 14th Amendment nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Huh. Wait, that sounds like the same thing. How do they get abortion out of that? The Supreme Court established, listen carefully, a right to personal privacy protected by the due process clause. That included the right of a woman to determine whether or not to bear a child. That's it. That's what they did. That is why even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, okay, the liberal justice that she was, said Roe versus Wade is a bad decision. It's bad precedence. It's not a law, but it's counted as law. It's bad law. Um, the court established that the word person as used in the Due Process Clause and other provisions of the Constitution did not include the unborn. <laughs> oh, we just, yeah, a person, no, the unborn, they're not a person. What would they be? Um, did not include the unborn, and therefore the unborn lacked federal constitutional protection. It's important for where we're going, okay? Finally, the court uh, summarily announced that the 14th Amendment's concept of personal liberty and restrictions upon state action includes a right of personal privacy or a guarantee of certain areas of zones of privacy that this right of privacy is broad enough to encompass a woman's decision whether or not to terminate her pregnancy. That came from the 5th and 14th Amendment in a right of privacy. Did anybody see privacy in there? Let me read it again. No person shall be deprived of life liberty or property without due process of law. Huh. Fourteenth, no, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Wow. 
So we just say uh, summarily, uh, the baby is not a person, and we're going to throw personal privacy in here. So because of your right to privacy, you can have an abortion and no one can say anything. That's what they did. That's what they did. So what was the law before that? Very, very interesting. The law against abortion in the early American colonies, um, the colonies inherited the English common law. We were an English colony. Okay, so we inherited that and largely operated under it until well into the 19th century. English common law was against abortion. They forbade it. Okay, you were not allowed to abort. It was against the law, any abortion at any time. Now, they did specify differences in the common law on the punishment. Abortion primary, uh, excuse me, abortion prior to quickening was a misdemeanor. What's quickening? Quickening is when they can feel the baby move. Okay. Before you feel the baby move in their mind or understanding of science, it wasn't alive yet. It's just something is there. Okay. Oh, it's moving. Now it's alive after quickening. Now it was a felony. And you can almost see that. It's still against the law, but now we're going to punish it. If it's before it can move, we don't know. Even if it's alive, um, after it can move, then it's a felony. All right? But this changed. In the early 1800s, it was discovered that human life did not begin when she felt life, but rather at fertilization. Wow. They knew that in the 1800s. As a direct result of this, the British Parliament in 1869 passed the, here we go, Offenses offenses against the person's act. What do they call the baby? A person. Ooh, that's important. 1869, they passed British Parliament offenses, offenses against a person act, eliminating the above punishment and dropping the felony punishment back to fertilization. So it was a felony and it went back to when it was fertilized, conception. One by one, across the middle years of the 19th century, uh, every then state passed its own law against abortion. By 1860, 85% of the population lived uh, in states which had had prohibited abortion with new laws. These laws preceded and followed the British example, moving the felony punishment from quickening back to conception. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so this is how we have that. That's how the history of this became there. Uh, All right, Roe versus Wade. How in the world could you have a legal argument to kill a baby? They added the right to privacy by the 5th and 14th Amendment. It wasn't that way earlier. Uh, It was before quickening. It was a misdemeanor. After quickening, it was a felony. It was against the law. 1800s, it changed. Human life began at fertilization. When the um, sperm fertilized the egg, that's when life began. And so if you uh, aborted any baby at any age, that's now a felony. And that was accepted by the states. Okay. Now we know what God says. God says human life is unique. God created us in his image. We're not an animal. Okay. We're not an animal. We have a conscience. We have a soul. Um, We have the creativity of God uh, inside. We are not an animal. Okay. God said, let us make man in our image. He never said that for any of the other things that he created. All right. So God made us uniquely in his image and we are complex. We have a soul that will live forever in heaven or hell. So we understand that it's different. Um, Next, the Bible forbids us from shedding innocent blood. We know thou shalt not kill. All right. So when thou shalt not kill, does that mean you can't kill an ant? Can't kill a bug, fly, mosquito. You can't kill a cow and have hamburger. 
Is that what that means? Some people want to take it that way. No, that's what that means. We know that's uh, killing an innocent human being. Um, does God allow to kill in war? He does. Sent his men to war, to battle, and people died. That's not innocent, okay? They're trying to kill you. You're trying to kill them. Um, does God allow self-protection? If someone's trying to kill you, break into your house, they've got a knife, they're trying to kill you, can you kill them? Yes, Okay, God understands that. That is not violating thou shalt not kill. And to clarify that, 20, over 20 times in the Bible, the term is used innocent blood. Don't shed innocent blood. Don't shed innocent blood. Because it's different. Someone trying to kill you, you kill them. That's not innocent blood. That's guilty blood. They're trying to kill you. I'm protecting my life, my family, my property. Okay. And that is legal. That does not violate the Bible in order to do that. I understand that, okay? Um, but innocent blood. God chastised when they shed innocent blood. Now, what blood could be more innocent than an unborn child? What blood could be more innocent than an unborn child? By the way, with the abortion, is it shedding blood? Shedding innocent blood? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um so number three on this, a baby not yet born is a human life is fully human and thus precious to God. I'm going to mention his name. I believe he changed before he died. At least I heard that. I'm not trying to bash people, but a very famous preacher. Uh, and I've heard the, I've heard him on tape say this, that a baby is not human until it takes its first breath. And they get that from the Bible. God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and uh, the breath of life, and he became a living soul. So Adam did not become a living soul until God breathed in him the breath of life. And so their logic, by taking that verse, saying that a baby is not a baby, their soul does not come into them until they take their first breath. Okay? I understand what he's trying to do, but I disagree, because that baby has the breath of life inside of it. It has that oxygen in that blood that's coming from the mother from the mother and it is a baby and it is a real soul it is a baby and it is a real soul and so for anyone to try to take the bible and do that i believe is totally wrong and not rightly dividing it adam was dirt okay <laughs> the dust of the ground all he was uh, there was no breath there was no heartbeat there's no anything a baby has oxygen that's breath baby has heartbeat that's life okay and so the baby is alive to be able to say that is wrong and uh, Psalm uh, 139.13, uh, David talks about he's fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, Job, uh, Jeremiah, uh, before he was formed in the womb, he was, he, God knew him. So uh, a big deal. Uh, number four, to view babies as inconvenient to the point of killing them is to violate Jesus' view of children. Jesus loved the little children. Uh, Suffer not the children to come unto me. Uh, Whoso offendeth one of these little ones which believe in me, it would better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck. They were drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus loves the little children. When you look and see why people have abortions, uh, here are the numbers. Less than half percent a victim of rape. People say, what about rape or incest? Less than half a percent report, okay, report this baby as a victim of rape. By the way, I've met victims of rapes that were allowed to live and amazing people. I was in the Philippines on a mission trip. I uh, met one of the missionaries and his wife and I had a beautiful little Filipino daughter. So yes, we adopted her. Oh, that's beautiful. So yes, her mother was raped. And in the Philippines, it's against the law to kill a baby in the womb. So she had the baby. 
She couldn't take care of it. She was poor and single. And so she let the pastor and the wife adopt it. But she stayed in the church. So she gets to be side mom all the time, help babysit, be around, see him all services, um, and grow and have a great life, and still get to see and be around her daughter. And the missionary couple gets to have a beautiful, wonderful daughter to raise. By the way, at nine or 10 years old when I met her, piano prodigy. I mean, amazing what she could do. Um, the victim of rape, I always say with uh, abortion, there's not one, there's not one uh, tragedy. There's not one casualty. There's two. One dead, one wounded. The woman who had the abortion is wounded, wounded. God can heal it, but it, it, there's a wound there uh, that lasts. And so um, it's not the baby's fault. And the woman, why leave her wounded with an abortion? Let her have the baby and some wonderful couple to be able to adopt her. And the woman can never have to have the guilt of killing a baby. And God would use it for good, Romans eight twenty eight. Okay, uh, I feel for them. It's wrong. It's hard. Uh, but every woman that I've ever heard of that had the baby after rape loved that baby and was so glad they had the baby. But there are many who had abortions who wish they could change it. Okay, so that's a half a percent. Three percent fetal health problems. What does that mean? Oh, Down syndrome. We don't want it. Kill it. Fetal health problems. Then physical health problems of the mother. And there are some, if you have a tubal pregnancy, the baby's going to die and the mother's going to die. Okay. Um, that is not a viable pregnancy. And I do not count that as an abortion. If it's a tubal pregnancy, the baby is going to die. There's nothing that can be done to be able to save that baby in our medicine world today. And so taking out that uh, is not, in my mind, an abortion. Um, so here we get into the numbers. 4%. Oh, it will interfere with my education or career. 7%, not mature enough to raise a child. 8%, don't want to be a single mother. 19%, we're done having children. We're done having children? Even married couples, oh, we just can't have another child and abort it. Can't afford a baby? <laughs> uh, who could? <laughs> 23%, not ready for a child? 25%, and 6% other. Over 90% of all abortions are for convenience. Convenience, how sad. How wrong is that? And um, the last point on this, and then we'll get into the uh, some quotes and then the important part of this lesson for you. Um, to kill babies in the womb is an attempt to avoid suffering and is to try to dodge what God's purpose is for suffering in our life. Does God allow suffering in our life? Absolutely. And he has a purpose for it. He has a plan for it. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to teach on great lesson there, but um, God allows suffering and God has a purpose and a plan for it. We know this abortion stops a beating heart. Abortion stops a beating heart. John Ryder said, I believe this society will one day look back at the horror of abortion. Critics will ask, where were Christians? Where was the church? Um, what a big deal that is. Hippocrates, father of medicine, okay, said, I will not give a woman an instrument to procure abortion. Pretty powerful. That's Hippocrates, father of medicine. Uh, what would happen if Mary and Joseph decided to have an abortion? Can you imagine killing the Christ child in the womb? Um, this was a very interesting story and heard it before and you probably have a professor at UCLA medical school asked the students this question. Here is the family history. The father has syphilis. The mother has TB. They already have four children. The first one's blind. The second one died. The third is death. The fourth has TB. A mother is pregnant. The parents are willing to have an abortion. If you decide they should, what do you think? Most students decide on the abortion. Yes, yes, yes. All those things going, oh yeah, just, just abort it. Congratulations, said the professor. You have just murdered Beethoven. 
You have just murdered Beethoven. Is that his history? That's his history. That's his family history, Beethoven. Can you imagine this world without the music of Beethoven? Beethoven's fifth, Beethoven's ninth. Wow. Could you imagine? Beethoven wouldn't be here. He would have been aborted. Um, this is a story by a medical doctor. Interesting. So I don't understand how some of my friends can get so worked up about the death of a dolphin, a forest, a calf, a lab rat, and not care about a being who, if given a chance, will grow up to look just like them. All of our children were in bed. The late television news was over. I was putting the finishing touches on a presentation for medical students scheduled to be given the next day. As I reviewed some slides, which, slides which might be used, there appeared on the screen a picture of an abortion victim. Age two and one half month gestation. Okay. Half months since fertilization. Um, her body had been dismembered by a curette, a long-handled knife used in a DNC abortion procedure. Suddenly I heard, rather than saw, another person near me. At the sound of a sharp intake of breath, I turned to find that my youngest son, then sleepy, rumpled three-year-old, had unexpectedly entered the room. His small voice was filled with great sadness as he asked, Daddy, who broke the baby? Whew. Daddy, who broke the baby? How could the small, innocent child see what so many adults cannot see? Who broke the baby? So now what? All right, here's the big part and the important part of this. I'm glad that Roe versus Wade is overturned. I am. Rejoice, happy, glad, thank God. That's a blessing. But is that it? What now? What now? It's sad. Millions of babies will still be murdered in the United States of America as overturning Roe just sends the decision back to the states. Most people say, yeah, that's great. Uh, states' rights. All right, back to the states. So now you have 50 battles. Yes, it's easier to battle in the state than the federal government. And so we're glad. But now you have 50 battles. And when does that go away? Never. We live in Tennessee, conservative state. They will um, outlaw abortion if they haven't already and probably uh, almost all cases. Um, other states won't. Many states will ban them, but others will enshrine abortion and make it tourism abortion for people to come to their state to have an abortion and do the spa and see the sights and all of that. How sad is that? Listen carefully. Yes, we're glad for Roe that it's over, but millions of babies will still be murdered in the United States. And for some, it just makes it a little more inconvenient. They've got to drive or fly somewhere. The federal government is only supposed to have the powers given to them by the states. That's why I call this abortion in the 10th Amendment. Here's what the 10th Amendment said. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Okay, so the 10th Amendment basically says this, that if the Constitution didn't give you the power to run this or handle this, and the states didn't give um, the federal government that power, then those things are reserved to the states, states' rights. For instance, okay, education. Is there anywhere in the Constitution where it says that education is supposed to be handled by the federal government? No. Therefore, we should abolish the uh, Department of Education. We should send it all back to the states. The federal government should not have one thing to do with it at all. Not one. How come? Because it was not given to them by the states or in the Constitution. Simple. Uh, what else? Health care. Was health care given to the federal government and the Constitution? No, not at all. Not one word. So what should happen? It should go back to the states and the states should handle that. All right. Uh, the states should handle that. Marriage. Marriage. Should marriage uh, be, was marriage given to the federal government? 
Not at all. Not one place was marriage given to the federal government. So we should go back to the states. So the states will have a fight on whether to have same-sex marriage or not. And that should be a state right issue because it's not given to the federal government. Okay. Now, again, can they try to twist things and make it that way? Yeah, um, they can. Just like the, uh, um, how they did with um, abortion in the first place. Okay. Um, how they were able to get it with the Fifth Amendment and the 14th Amendment, how they were able to do that. Um, they made it to where it was twisted. Can they do that today? Uh, and can they do that and say, well, um, marriage is a civil right based on this uh, law and you're discriminating? Yes, okay, obviously they did. Uh, but they shouldn't because the federal government was not given any power over that, all right? So, so then this should be states' rights, right? No. What was the federal government given power over? Okay, um, they weren't given a lot, but they were given some. The federal government was given the authority by the states to protect life. In the Declaration of Independence, even, there are three things listed as unalienable rights. And what is that? Unalienable means they cannot be taken away from us. Most governments around the world give their citizens their rights. All their rights come from the government. They can give it to them and take it away. Who's ever in charge? The United States of America was not like that. It wasn't started like that. The United States of America, they said, there are certain rights that are given to us by our, fill it in, what, who? Our creator, okay? Uh, given to us by our creator. And so if it's given to us by our creator, then it cannot be taken away from us by the government. And that's important, okay? That's important. And what are those rights? Um, the right to, here we go, life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Those powers were given to us um, by God, by our creator, and they're instilled in the Declaration of, of Independence, okay? And so allowing states to kill babies in the womb violates that responsibility to protect life. And people say, well, incrementalism, we can only get this right now. I understand that. But if we just give up and say, all right, we're done. Roe versus Wade is overturned and we don't keep going. Millions of babies will still be killed. So what needs to happen? This right here. You need to take this and preach this. You need to teach this. We need to share this. We need to make this known. You need to pass this podcast around or teach it on your own and pass it around. I don't care. But the truth needs to get out that the federal government was given by the states the power to protect our inalienable rights, the right to life. If uh, Mexico, all right, we're taking back Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and, and California and their armies cross the border, what do we do? Well, the federal government sends troops. How come? Because we gave them the power to do that, to protect life, okay, to protect life. So troops are on. We're, we got a war. How come? Because the government was given the power to protect our life, our liberty, and our pursuit of happiness, and now this country is trying to take that away. And so the federal government can get involved and fight. I understand uh, that uh, you can't have a federal soldier operating on American soil unless you have this, unless you have an invasion. And so then you can't. And so, um, so anyway, it should be given to the federal government. So what should have happened? What should have happened is the Supreme Court should have said, went past, of course, Roe versus Wade was a made up right. There's nothing in the Bible and nothing in the Constitution about that at all. But what is in the Constitution is this, the right to life. And it says it shall not be infringed without due process. The Fifth Amendment and Fourteenth Amendment. They should have had at least five justices say 
we are going to make it against the law in all the country, in every state, because we in the federal government have been given the responsibility to protect life by the Fifth Amendment, by the Fourteenth Amendment, by the Declaration of Independence, okay? They've been given that. That's what's supposed to happen, and that's what should happen. So do not sit back and think and say, oh, good, Rose overturned, we're done. No, fight. Pray, give, help, uh, be involved, um, do what we can because the states, and by the way, the left will never give up. All right, we passed it in this state. Now what do they want? All right, let's have a new Congress and a new new uh, governor, and we'll fight it again, and we're now abortion's legal. Yay! And then we'll fight to get it back, and uh, now abortion's against the law for them. Boo, they would say. And you keep on this battle and fight on and on and on. What should happen? The Supreme Court should make a decision. Done. Done. We have been given the responsibility to protect life. This baby has a heartbeat. This baby has oxygen. This baby has fingernails. This baby has everything it needs to be a fully human person. We are going to protect that right. That's what should happen. Hey, we need to preach about it, teach about it, talk about it, share it. We need to make sure people understand that. Where it came from, where it is now. Yes, rejoice, rose overturned. That's great. But that is not at all the end-all be-all. That is just the beginning, folks. Please understand that. Now, if you're in a different state that is going to uh, still allow abortion, then you're you're in that fight right now. Okay? You're in that fight right now. I think most states are because they're seeing how far they can go with this, even if uh, it's already on the books that abortion is... uh, is is against the law, but what about health of a mother? What about um, you know different things like that? And they're going to have to debate those things. It would have been much better for the federal government to say it is our constitutional right given to us by the states to protect life. This baby is obviously life. Therefore, it's against the law to an abortion anywhere in these United States. That's what should happen. Do you think it's going to happen overnight? Nope. Will it happen in our lifetime? I don't know. We need a uh, constitutional amendment um, to be passed so we can never debate and argue this again and define very simply a constitutional amendment to be able to say an unborn child is a person, therefore qualified to be protected by the federal government right to life, period. Done. Over. Real simple. An unborn baby is a person and therefore protected by the Constitution and the right to life. There we go. That's what should happen. All right, live that, teach that, preach that. Uh, Shorter one for today, but very, very important one and needed one. I want to make sure we got this out so people could hear it. And many of you already know it. Great. Take this podcast and share it. Uh, Let other people know or do something yourself. Uh, Go make a YouTube video and get it out there. I don't care. I don't want anything from this. I just want the truth to get out so Christians and people can understand. Americans can understand. Our Constitution says this. And this is what we're supposed to live by. And this is how we're supposed to do it. Okay? All right. Hey, God bless you. Have a good one. We'll see you uh, next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com.